Turn with me uh, in your Bibles to the book of Psalms and there, Psalm 31, the 31st Psalm. And uh, we're going to read something that King David wrote down as he was inspired by the Lord. And so Psalm 31, amen. Today we're going to talk about this 31st Psalm, and uh, I've just made a title of it. I guess we could just leave the title as Psalm 31, but I wanted to, to, to have a title with this called Our Rock and Our Fortress. Amen? And that's what the Psalm 31 talks about. And if we put this in perspective, this was King David. This was a man very much acquainted with trouble and problems and warfare and all kinds of things he encountered during his life. And so this was a man who, who when he got to where he was at, uh, toward the end of his life and all these psalms just continued to come out of him, it was from his heart because he had walked with the Lord and he knew what the Lord had done in his life and therefore he could write down such things that, hey, blessed be the name of the Lord for he delivers his people, amen. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray as we get ready to, to begin this today and, and we'll go briefly through it, but you're just going to see that we find comfort in this 31st Psalm today. Amen. Father, we come to you today, Lord, as we uh, thank you, God, for your presence with us here today. Lord, you're here in a special way today. And Lord, we truly are leaning on the everlasting arms today. Father, as we open your word and look at these psalm today, we pray, God, that you give us the ability to expound upon your word. And may your people find comfort in this psalm today. May your people have open eyes and open ears and hearts that understand and will be in gratitude unto you and make us to see and realize just how good you are to us. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Psalm 31, our rock and our fortress. How many knows that we need a rock and a fortress? That when things are going bad, we need a hiding place. Amen. Uh, I've been watching some, so we don't have cable at our house, but uh, we got this thing where it streams on the internet. And I've been watching some of those older shows on the History Channel, these mountain men. And I, I just love that stuff. You know, it kind of my thing, you know, and uh, kind of the way we grew up. And I was looking at some of those guys, they'd get out there in the wilderness and it'd get dark on them. They didn't have time to walk back to their camp or whatever. And they just had to build a little small makeshift camp. They needed a fortress. They needed a place with shelter. And the Lord is our shelter. <clears throat> Amen. And David, he knew this. And that's why he put this song down on a piece of paper and sent it to the musicians. Here, put this to music and people will worship and, and, and praise God with these words. So as we look at this, we're talking about our rock and our fortress. The first couple, three verses, let's read those. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge or strength, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. You know, one of the things, it's not that David never made a mistake. It's not that everything David did was good in the sight of God. But one of the things that David never did was he never worshiped some other false god. He never put his trust in somebody else. 
He never put his trust in another idol or whatever the case may be. He always wanted to follow the Lord when it came to being in a, in a scrape or in a, in a problem when trouble arose. And even when the trouble was his own fault, he didn't blame other people. He just said, Lord, it's me. I sinned. And he, and he come clean. So that's one of the things we see here in those first three verses. David here teaches us in the Bible to pray for the Lord to lead us and guide us for his name's sake. Did you notice that there in verse, verse uh, 3? For you are my rock and my fortress, therefore for your name's sake lead me and guide me. You know, you and I belong to God. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And since we belong to him and since we name his name, we should ask him to be our leader and our guide. So that when people says, well, that's a Christian and they messed up and this, that, and the other, that will prevent us a lot of ways and a lot of times from messing up and bringing shame upon ourselves, right? And so that's why David's heart's cry was, Lord, lead me and guide me for your great name's sake. Sound like another pretty important fellow in the Bible, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did he teach us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallelujah. You see, there's a pattern here that we learn if we, when we're reading the Scriptures, when we read in the Old Testament, things will pop into our mind that, hey, Jesus spoke about that. Amen? Amen. And even Jesus said in the model prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Right? So we see David's doing the same thing here. Lord, for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. If the Lord orders our steps, we'll be going on the right way. Amen? How many's ever went on your own path, didn't ask the Lord? You ever done that? I have. I've walked my own little path and got over to the other side and said, well, now, Lord, you, you, you're, you're supposed to bless this. You're supposed to make this work. And then you find out the Lord kind of reminds you, you didn't ask me. You're over there on your own. So sometimes that happens to us. But David's saying here, Lord, you lead me and guide me. Amen. Verses four and five. Got some good stuff here too. Verse four says, pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. David is describing here for himself, no doubt, but also for us that we may be encouraged, put our complete dependence upon God. Everything, complete dependence upon God. There's people has wrote books and made lots of money, <clears throat> done lots of things, trying to get little gimmicks. Well, if you'll do this, then God will be happy with you. And if you'll do this, God will be happy with you. And if you'll give this, and if you'll whatever. But the Bible doesn't say that, does it? The Bible teaches us over and over and over and over again if we'll just put our trust in God and our complete trust in Him that He will be pleased with us. We walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible says. That's what that means. My faith is in an unseen God that I cannot see or touch, but I know He's real. Hallelujah. We all know He's real because His presence is here with us today. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Jesus quoted this verse when he was on the cross. Look at verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. One of the last things Jesus said 
while he was here on earth. As he was nailed to the tree, hanging there almost dead, he quoted the Psalm of David. Hallelujah. Into your hand I commit my spirit. He said, Lord, I'm yours. When we can come to that place in our life, that Lord, I'll go and work wherever you tell me to work. If you want me to stay at this job to help people there, then I'll stay. If you want me to leave this job and go here, whatever the case may be, everything in our lives be dependent upon God. Amen? Amen. Verse 6. David says this here, I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me into the hand, shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. If we'll be honest, now, maybe some of our younger folks might not be able to do this quite as, as easily as some of us. But if we've lived in this world on our own, making our own way, you know, depending on ourselves in, as far as work and that kind of stuff, a look back at our life will reveal something. That the Lord has set us in a broad place. That there's been trouble, there's been problems. And we've been walking on a little skinny road sometimes that looked like there was danger everywhere that you wasn't going to make it through. But the Lord has brought us to where we're at today. Amen? Amen. And David realized that. A look back at our lives will reveal that the Lord has been with us even in adversity. Even in adversity. And that he's not allowed the wicked one to devour us. You know one of the reasons that the devil comes against us? You remember the story of Job? I love that story. A lot of people get, it hinders a lot of people in their faith. They say, well, why would God allow such an awful thing to happen just to prove a point or whatever and all that? You know that in that story, if we read it and pay attention to it, the devil had challenged God and basically challenged Job that if you'll let me touch him just a little bit, I'll get him to go back on you. I'll get him to curse you and walk away from you. It was a challenge. Sometimes our adversities is because the devil desires us to fail. And God says, go ahead and try all you want. They won't fail because they're mine and my seed remains in them. Hallelujah. So even in adversity, there's some people teaching now in Christianity and have been for a long time. Well, if you're facing adversity, then something's wrong in your life. No, it may just be that the devil's getting ready to have a defeat on throwing his lap. Amen? Amen. So even in our adversities, if we'll look back through life, God's been with us. I can tell you of assurance that once you get saved, that God's been with you from that point forward. And if we'll take a look and be honest, a lot of times God was even protecting us before that. In a lot of ways, it was because we had mom and dad or somebody praying for us, covering us in that prayer until we could come to that point. And David realized this. 
How many times had he been out on the battlefield? Not just with Goliath, that was just when he was a young fellow. But when later on, when he would lead the troops into battle, how many times would it have been possible for him to get killed? Many of the kings of Israel and Judah got killed in battle. You know? So David realized, the Lord has kept me safe thus far. That's what the words of amazing grace is talking about, right? He's kept us safe and he will keep us from now on. Amen? Verse 9. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. One thing that I mentioned a while ago, and I mention it again here. David knew when he had messed up. He don't try to blame somebody else. Try to blame this. Try to blame that. He was saying that a lot of my grief in my life was because of my own iniquity. Right? A lot of our problems in life, hopefully they're few. <laughs> I hope they're very few. But a lot of our problems when we look back in life is because we were not seeking God. We were not walking with God and not asking Him to lead our steps. And David realized that. So here we learn that we need to truly be remorseful about our sins. And when sin no longer bothers us, then that means we're starting to slip. Look how it's worded. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. Means he was sick about it. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. When we start justifying sin, means we're slipping. But when we have the attitude here that David is, that if we realize we've committed sin in some way, whatever the case may be, it should bring remorse into our life. It should bring some conviction into our life when we realize, Lord, I blew it. Please help me. Please forgive me. Amen. Repentance may need to be a daily thing for some people. I don't know. Some people wrestles and struggles with everything, right? But we learn here the importance of truly being sorry and remorseful for our sin, right? Not digging up the stuff in the past that God's forgiven us from. But if I go out here today and commit a sin and it brings grief into my life, I need to be remorseful. I need to be like King David here. Say, my strength fails. I can't eat. I'm sick to my stomach about it. It's just, it's grieving me. Amen. Verse 11. I'm a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel, for I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side while they take counsel together against me. They scheme to take away my life. You know, sadly, but truthfully, there are some people in this world that want to destroy you and I. I don't really know the reason. Sometimes when it happens, you, you sit and you think, what is wrong with them that they work so hard against us? It happens. 
I don't know all the reasons, but those are the facts. And David was acquainted with that. He understood that for some reason, there's these people that's working against me. They would just like to see me completely destroyed. And this is his heart's cry. He's confessing to God. Lord, I hear the things they say and the things they want to do to destroy me. It's commonly people we would never suspect. I say this and still say it and maintain this. Some of the biggest persecution and the problems we have as a Christian doesn't come from the world. It comes from within. People that are supposed to be our brethren, supposed to have our backs, next thing you know, they're attacking us, trying to make us look bad. Don't know why that happens. But it does. And David was describing that. Amen. Verse 14. But even though they scheme and they plot and the devil wants to destroy us, even though, verse 14 says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God and my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servants. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed. O Lord, I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Our times are in the Lord's hands. When you came to Jesus Christ and you got saved, why does the Bible call it a rebirth? Because we were made new, of course, but also now we have a father who's going to take care of us. I can, I can as a human father, and the Bible says that even us as human parents who love our kids, we're still evil in the sight of God. But even if we can do good things for our kids and defend our kids and take care of our kids, how much more so will God defend His children? Amen? Amen. So here we learn that our times are in the Lord's hands. We belong to Him. And He will defend us. Of course, He will let us be persecuted somewhat. He will let people push us a little bit. But there's a certain place He won't let them go. Man. He sees and hears everything that goes on with you and I. We learned a couple weeks ago that God declared through the prophet Isaiah that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, a wicked king who was bent on destroying Judah, God told even him, I know you're rising up and you're laying down. You're coming in and you're going out. So if he knows that about the wicked, guess what? He knows it about us as well. And he knows the things that people plot against us. He knows the things that people say against us to try to destroy us. And that's why Jesus said we need to pray for our enemies. Why would Jesus just blindly go, well, you need to pray for your enemies and just let them keep doing the things they don't know? Because he knows the wrath of God will fall on someone harming his children. So if we don't pray and give them a little mercy, things ain't going to end well for them, are they? Amen. 
Here David prays for the ones who do wickedly to be the ones to be ashamed. See, they like to bring shame to us. You look at some, some of the things going on in our governments right now. If you stand up and say, I believe marriage is a man and a woman and you're either born a man or you're born a woman and that's it and you can't change, they're going to look at you and make you be ashamed in front of the world. They're going to try to embarrass you, right? But David said, let me never be ashamed for standing for you. Now he prays, let them be the ones to be ashamed with the egg on their face to be so silly and to do these kinds of things. Amen. The Apostle Paul asked the Lord to repay Alexander the coppersmith for the harm he had done to him and the church. That's in 2 Timothy 4. And he told Timothy also there, you better beware of this guy because he's up to no good and he's working against us. A lot of people says, well, it's not New Testament to pray that our enemies be punished or whatever. Well, the Apostle Paul did. He said, this guy worked against us. He was evil and he did all these manner of things to work against us. And I'm telling you that you better watch out for him. And then he said, may the Lord repay him according to his works. He didn't pray a specific whatever, what Paul wanted him to do to this guy to straighten him out. He just said, Lord, you repay him according to his works. I'll put that in your hands. You take care of that. Maybe that's what we need to pray over our federal government that has gone completely godless. Lord, reward them in front of the whole world for the works that they're doing. Look how silly they are. Amen. We have become now, think about this. We used to be the leaders in everything. Now we're a laughing stock in front of the whole world. You're going to pay, take people's tax money that they work for and you're going to fund a sex change operation for a child. We are a laughing stock. May the Lord repay these people for doing these things. Amen? Amen. Our times are in His hands. Verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. That part it said, verse 19, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. Sounds very familiar. Do you recognize the reference there that uh, the New Testament makes back to this verse? 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. David contemplated that very thing in this 31st Psalm. Look at the things. Oh, how great is your goodness to those who fear you and love you. Hallelujah. The Lord will only allow wicked people to go so far. He will defend His heritage in the earth. And that's me and you. In the book of Revelation, one thing is very, very clear. Anybody who reads that book, there's, I've read, there's probably thousands of interpretations of all those things that John saw. But there's one thing nobody can argue with. 
At the end of that book, it says, anybody who takes away from the prophecy of this book are going to be in trouble. It says what it says. And one of the things that there's a promise in the book of Revelation is the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. God will defend his heritage, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, we'll be persecuted. Yes, there will be people martyred, have been for a long time, and it will continue to happen. But they won't be a complete martyrdom. God will take care of his children. Amen. There will be a witness in this earth of Jesus Christ until the very end. Amen. Amen. Verses 21 and 22. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city or a fortified city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Meaning, wow, I was hemmed up, nowhere to go, no hope for the future. You ever been there? Have you ever been there? Maybe it's a bad report at the doctor or something financial. Maybe a, maybe a loved one turned against you and you didn't know if that relationship could ever be repaired. Anyway, whatever, you're in a tight spot and you saw no way out. Kind of like Hezekiah, right? Snickered means business. He's saying, we're coming down there, we're going to wipe you out. Lord, we have no defense anymore. What can we do? When it looked like there was no hope, the Lord heard our cries and showed us great kindness. You might be able to name something from this week where this happened. You might be able to name something from last week. Maybe even today. I don't know. But at some point in your life, probably multiple times, you've been in a situation where you were hemmed up, the enemy had you surrounded, and you didn't know what to do. But the Lord heard our cries and showed us great kindness. Wow. That's our Lord. Our nation, it was mentioned None of you, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody here today my notes. I didn't share my notes with anyone. But yet, there was a couple times today it was talked about our nation, our nation, our nation. You know, our nation is in a peril. Our nation needs the Lord now if uh, more maybe than any time in its history. Our people are blind and wandering about with no one to lead them. There are truly people that think just because they don't believe in homosexuality or that they don't believe in abortion that they're going to go to heaven. It takes a little bit more than that to go to heaven. You've got to be born again. So even those people are wandering about blind. They get mad and stuff about the way... Liberal things are going on, but they don't realize there's a reason those things are going on. It's because of people without God in their life. We need to turn our eyes upon the Lord and He can restore us. Amen. He can. Amen. In the last couple of verses, 
Oh, I love the Lord. No. It says now He's given us some instruction. As a man who lived it, He's now going to encourage all those who would call upon God from then on. Look how it's worded. Oh, love the Lord, all you His saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Encouragement from a man who was well acquainted with trouble. When somebody has experienced something, that's the person you want to learn from. You ever notice that? You know, you get into a wherever, whatever the case may be, if in your in your workplace or whatever the case may be, you can come in and have a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge. But then they may ask you to do something that you're not quite familiar with. And if there's a veteran there, a guy who's been there and done that for a lot of years, they can take you and say, hey, here's how it's done. Those are the people we learn from. King David, a lot of times we, we like to, people like to pick on King David for all his failures. But one thing he got right was he loved the Lord. And he said, I've walked this life, this pilgrim way, <laughs> leaning on him. And I can tell you that you can too. Amen. Our hope is in the Lord. May He strengthen our hearts and give us good courage too. Look how it's worded. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. And in closing today, when trouble arises, look to the Lord. When the enemy seeks to destroy us, look to the Lord. When people set traps and lay in wait to bring us down, look to the Lord. And our prayer would be today, O Lord, in our society that has no room for You, strengthen our hearts. Give us courage to face our many challenges. O Lord, we look to You. May that be our prayer today. Amen. Let's pray quickly and then I'm going to play, do something a little different today. We'll play one last song as we close just for us to look into the Lord once again. But let's pray over God's word he's given us. Father, we thank you today for this 31st Psalm. We thank you, Lord, for one of our heroes, King David. Oh, Father, we know, we know his failures. We've wore him out because of them. But Lord, there's a whole book of songs written here from his life's experience. And you decided to preserve them that we may be strengthened by them and encouraged through them. Father, today we pray that we'll be like King David, that even though times get rough and things get hard, that we'll continue to look to you. Lord, those that work against us, reward them. We don't, we don't pray anything specific, any kind of doom and gloom on them. Just, Lord, reward them for their works. May be the, they be the ones embarrassed and ashamed and then come to Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that you give us good courage. Strengthen our hearts today, Lord, as we face so many things. Lord, these people here, just the people that's represented here in attendance today, I know the things they struggle with, hurts and loss and 
sickness and disease and family problems and all the things that, that we're wrestling with. But we look to You, Lord, for You're our hope, You're our rock, and You're our fortress. Hallelujah. May You be glorified in all things we do, Father. And as we sing this one last song unto You today, Lord, it's just from our heart about how great You really are. And so, Father, receive our praise today and like it was said in our Scripture, May you hear the cries of our hearts today and help us, O Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name today. Amen and amen.